Hello and welcome to our live stream on November 3rd, 2020, and we are discussing the officer. He's talking about a church in hell. Now, this is the officer. We've talked about this for quite a few weeks. And first, we come and we have a live stream every Tuesdays and Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern. So please subscribe to the channel, hit the bell, hit the thumbs up, and that way you can be notified if you hit the bell of when we live stream. Of course, it's every Sunday and Tuesday. And we've been live streaming about the officer for a while. It's a very interesting um, account. It was done by a medium, JSM Ward, and he had he went into a space, <clears throat> a part in heaven, where the officer was there and gave him his whole story. Now, the officer was a very, you know, not a nice person. He'd, he'd be the first one to tell you that. He's very intelligent and focused. And it was like his story of after he died, he, you know, he went on the lower zone, which is the face of the earth. And he did some bad things. He went lower. Then he, he, he dominated other, other people. He was in charge of an army. He took over half of a city in hell. Then he went back to the earth, did more bad things, went further down. And he, he, he kept saying that, hey, no matter where I was, all I could think of is how could I be on top? Right. And so he would just do more evil than the other people around him to get on top. Of course, it didn't work eventually. And finally, the spirit will put him in a section of, of purgatory. There's no really no such thing as hell, according to spiritism. It's all temporary. And it went so it, 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 it he was completely isolated and it was dark. And then he just, you know, the spirit will figure it out. OK, we're giving you hint after hint after hint. Now. There's no one around to dominate. You can't be worse than that person because it's only you. And then he finally started rising up. So we've been talking about him then slowly rising up and going to different cities. And then he went to an outpost made by, you know, higher spirits from uh, some level of heaven and where he's trying to be better. And they're kind of showing him how we can get out of these different levels. So let's, let's start. So. He said, we journeyed for some time till we came to a cave, and here I found quite a number of men fast asleep. Strive as I would, I could not wake them. This surprised me, for till then I had not seen anyone asleep in these realms. Having no bodies, we do not require sleep. I questioned my guardian angel, who had now drawn much nearer to me. He looked very sad as he replied, Son, these men were who stoutly maintained that after death there was no life. They were strong-willed men who, had they believed, might have done much good. As it is, they led many astray, and since they held this view so strongly, they have, as it were, self-hypnotized themselves into a state of coma, from which it is very hard to rouse them. Here they lie, age after age, while men whom the world considered far worse than they and who had sunk far lower in hell have been able to see the error of their ways and progress. They remain unconscious and cannot learn. So let's talk about that for a second. This is something spiritist literature tells us about too, is that, you know, in, in the spirit world, when you leave your physical body and it's just you and your spirit and your paraspirit is your, in the spirit world, thought is action. So these people, they thought, Okay, 
I am, you know, when I, when I die, there'll be nothing. I'm just going to be asleep. And they were so strong in their belief that they were asleep. And it takes years, sometimes years for them to be awake. They'll be taken maybe to, to a, a spiritist hospital and they'll, get, they'll be given magnetic passes. They'll do all sorts of things to try and help these people wake up. And, but that's kind of, you know, for anyone out there who, if you have friends who are completely a committed atheist, just say, well, put some little part of your mind that there is something beyond our physical presence, because you may be surprised. So just keep your mind open. That, that's all, right? There's nothing there. There's nothing there for you. So then the officer said, this is truly terrible. Is there no way of waking them? And then my guide said, well, after long ages, the spell grows weak. Then there come to, to them great messengers of light who, after much striving, do succeed in breaking through their sleep and rousing them. At length, we reach a place of deep chasms and, and, and crags. And after wandering along the base of a range of these cliffs, we came in sight of a narrow, slippery stairway. And as we did, suddenly a, fing, a figure came hurtling through the air and fell to the ground in front of us. It sprang to its feet and fled away in the darkness and was soon lost to sight among the crags and chasms. Who is that? I inquired of my guide. He goes, oh, some unfortunate creature who is offended against the traditions of the Sixth Division. They pride themselves on their respectability there, and those who offend too deeply are hurled forth by the outraged inhabitants. Self-righteousness is the besetting sin there. They love to judge their neighbor and to spread scandal. But look, there is light of the rest house, and soon you will be able to judge for yourself what manner of men dwell in the sixth division of hell. This is what makes it so interesting, because he just goes through all these different levels of hell and sees how these different groups of people react. And this all, you know, you know, this is this medium is not a spiritist medium. So that's, that's why I'm going to this book and, and giving you the spiritual interpretation and the, the confirmation of what is being written. And, but in spiritism, it's is when you when you pass away, you go to where you you belong because of the law of affinity. And the law of affinity is like groups with like. So if you're a nice person, you're honest, right? You go with those type of people, probably in one of the levels of heaven. If you're a con man or woman and you lie and cheat and steal, well, guess what? You go with other people like you. It's not like you're on earth where you're in this mix of, of really nice people and not so nice people. You are with people like you. Now, that is kind of a key to how to how the spirit world turns people who have ill intentions to make them decide, I don't like to be this way. Why? Because if you're a not a nice person and you're with everyone like you, that gives you nobody to take advantage of. And yet everyone is constantly trying to take advantage of you and vice versa. And that's no fun. There's no suckers out there. There's no one, there's no one to dominate. It's horrible. And that's how these people finally go, okay, uh, I don't like this. Now, it takes a long time. Changing your character and your attitude is much more efficient when you're on earth in a physical body because that's when you're in a physical body. The spirit will definitely gives us in this like this diving suit that is, you know, 
has blinders on and we really can't do much. We can't change things with our mind. You know, we can't volatate, meaning move by the speed of thought. We can't create things by thought. All of that, right? And we, you know, and of course, in the spirit world, you never grow old, you're not sick, you can't die. And on earth, all that happens. So it makes it more immediate. The emotions are, are stronger. That's why you're on earth, right? Is you're here to have strong stimuli come at you. And you're as, hopefully as bare as necessary to have that affect you so much that you'll actually make foundational changes in your character and your personality. So, so then they went and he said, well, how painful was the climb up that long flight of stairs? But ever the beacon light grew stronger. It still, it soon, till soon it illuminated a path. Though the, the light hurt, yet I bore it soakily and we entered the haven of refuge. We stayed but a short term uh, in this rest house, which was a large one, before continuing our journey. Once more, the fog engulfed us, and we seemed to turn to the right. And soon I saw the gray mass of a city. Now, when it says the fog engulfed us, what, what he's saying is it, it in the rest area, in the rest area, is brighter, right? Because the, it's the, the spirits are used to it. They're used to having some light. Now you go accustomed to the really dim light. This is the further you go down, the dimmer it is in the uh, dark abyss, as they call it in the spiritualist literature. He calls it hell. It's really a type of purgatory. But it gets very dark. The sun does not go much into there. So, the city had a high wall on the side overlooking the great precipice. And it was from one of the towers of the wall that the man we saw fall into the fifth division of hell had been cast. The town considered for the most part a modern looking houses of the dreary, respectable type that one sees in many London suburbs. Some attempt was evidently made to keep the place moderately clean, and this was the first division in which this had been attempted. So, now he says like a like a, a London suburb. So he was there in the he was there, and this is probably one of the divisions of you know what he calls hell's purgatory. That's more with the people from the English from the United Kingdom, England. And because this is where the uh, officer died. Of course, you know, if you are in, uh, you know, like Brazil, you may go up to No Solar if you're in Rio de Janeiro, or you may go down with other people who speak Portuguese, etc. Until you go higher and higher, then it doesn't make a difference because then you, you communicate mind to mind and your language doesn't, is not a, a problem with speaking to other people. And he also points out that, you know, this is the first place that they tried to be clean. Whereas a lot of places, there were just scrubs and it was just dirty and everything was decaying. So then I'll pick up, I'll carry on with, with the officer. Seeing a theater and asking my guide if I might enter it, he permitted me to do so, himself waiting outside. As I entered, I saw one of the inhabitants of the city and spoke to him. He seemed slightly taken aback and said, we've not been introduced. Oh, damn, darn it. What does that matter? I replied. Please do not swear, he answered. I apologized, then asked him what sort of plays were shown in this city. He said, all sorts, as long as they're not improper. We will not permit any suggestion of impropriety here. Nothing vulgar or immoral is permitted. All our plays and musicals are conducted on the best principles. And he said, well, that's the first time I've been in. Hell, that I've heard people object to impropriety. 
he looked pained. I wish you would not use that word. There is no such place as hell, and certainly we are not in it. Then the officer said, don't talk nonsense. All this realm is hell, so what's the use of pretending it isn't? I've been long enough to hell to know that. And then he said, stranger, who are you and where do you come from? So I told him briefly my history, and as I went on, he slowly grew away from me. And at length, he broke in with, that's enough, thank you. Either you are a liar or a villain. I know perfectly well I'm not in hell. I suppose I'm still on earth. But anyway, I never have associated with scoundrels, and I'm not going to begin now. Good day, and let me give you a piece of advice, which I do out of the kindness of my heart. I always was a kind-hearted man. Don't tell that story to anyone else here, or they'll have you thrown over the battlements, and he made off. So here, the, the, again, the, the officer was a couple of levels ago. He was in what this town was called Corneth. You know, it's kind of a model of Corneth, but he said it was like an ugly version of it. And the Bay of Corneth was like the swampy area. And he went and talked to someone. He goes, and he, he goes, he goes, what city is this? Well, this is Corneth. He goes, well, it looks horrible. He goes, well, that's because the gods don't like us because we found a way to be immortal. He goes. Well, you're not immortal. You're in hell. He goes, no, I'm not. I'm. <laughs> we we learned how to be immortal. He goes, no, you're in hell. So, it just shows. Just as I've been in mediums meetings, and you and I read in other spiritualist literature, so forth. When people pass out, pass over from their physical, uh, you know, life, many do not recognize they are dead. They are a spirit form. Now, why is that? Because their paraspirit looks like them as they were on earth because you're you're created out of these three components the spirit the paraspirit and the body so when you have when you die your body is gone but what stays with you well it's your paraspirit so the paraspirit what the para is it's 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 a connection between the spirit and the body and the paraspirit covers the body and actually actually ties into every cell and organ. And of course, in a corresponds, paraspirit is divided into the, the seven force centers, just like chakras. The, the, the Hindu system and the Buddhist system is, you know, they were correct. They knew what they were talking about. And so when that body decays, your paraspirit still has the, the facade of that body. Now your spirit's kind of inside your paraspirit. Your paraspirit is your facade. Um, of course, when you're first born, your paraspirit does, will make some modifications and, and kind of control your gestation period in the womb and as you're a child growing up. So, but when you're free of that, then, but you still, you, you know, you're not like a ghost where you put your, your own hand through your body, right? Now, if you were on the lower zone, you could go through walls and buildings if you knew how to. Um, they're actually trained that in one of the first levels of heaven. They talked about in the book I've been talking about on Sundays, where they train you to go through walls. But it, because you know this, all the all the things in in the spirit world are all logical constructs. So, and if you have a will enough and you know how to do it, you can just go through whatever you want. It's no, no big deal. But if you don't know and you haven't been trained, you think they're solid. You think yourself is solid. So, these people he's meeting, they all think, well, I'm, I'm not in hell. I'm in a great place. They, they accept. It shows you how adaptable many humans are. So, 
let's go on. So I went into the, to the theater. Musical comedy was being performed, a poor show I've hardly ever seen. The music was not absolutely discordant, as it is in the other divisions of hell, but it was feeble stuff, the very worst kind of so-called popular music. Plot there was none, and the whole show was so banal and trashy that I cleared out to the end of the first scene. I noticed the audience seemed as bored as I was, but nevertheless, they stayed on. Next, I tried a music hall, which advertised outside that it was a show, a most refined entertainment, funny without being vulgar. It certainly wasn't funny, and it certainly was, to my thinking, intensely vulgar. Not indecent, just vulgar. Low comedians of the worst type. Vapid songs, silly aimless tricks, and short, absolute trash. So again, this is these are the type of people that are in the city. And well, let's explore it more before I comment on it. On coming out, which I did very quickly, I came to a concert hall. Here, at least, I thought I might see something worth seeing, or at any rate, hear it. But no, of all the banal twaddle, I think the concert was the worst. I then left as quickly as I could, and seeing a picture gallery, entered it without expecting much satisfaction, and was not disappointed. All the rubbishy pictures in the world seemed to have been gathered together and hung on the walls of this ugly, pretentious building. I then returned to my guide, who had, as it were, concealed his natural brightness, and led by him, made my way through mean streets towards the center of the town. Here I entered a very ugly brick church built in the pseudo-Gothic style. A service was being conducted by a fat, slimy sort of parson who seemed to mouth his words in a succulent, unctuous manner, which irritated me intensely. The service was not absolutely discordant or blasphemous. It was merely hollow and unreal. The prayers were gabbed off as quickly as possible, and it was obvious that there was no real belief behind it. It was merely a form carried through the, by the priest and people because it was considered the proper thing to do. Now, so we're starting to get a clue. Now, in the other level of, of hell that this officer was in, what I talked about last week, they had churches there, but they were all with the, the, the parsons and reverends and priests in those churches said, you know, you need to treat me really well and you need to give me as much money as you can. They were just completely uh, self-centered and selfish, right? Now here, here they're it's here they're all pseudo-proper, right? And they're all, I don't know if you call it snobby or 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 what, but it was just like they 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 had no really um, foundational belief in anything behind it, but it was all the surface of what they wanted to show as being prim and proper. So very interesting. So these people were all grouped together in this place. So now he says, let me, let me tell you what the priest said. I'll give you a, a few of the phrases which struck me in his sermon. Above all, my dear brothers and sisters, you must help keep this great city clean of every form of vice. Each and every one of you should make it his or her business to watch for evil, to hunt it out and drive it forth. If you suspect that any person is secretly guilty of some vicious practice, do not rest till you discover his or her secret sin, even if it is someone near and dear to you. It is your duty to denounce it. If you want help or advice in this great work, come to me and tell me what you suspect. Don't wait till the evil thing becomes rampant. Strike at once. In me you'll always find a ready helper. Do not let any false ideas of honor stand in your way. In searching out evil, you are entitled to use any means. 
Let me give you an example. A friend of yours has not come to church. You suspect her of carrying on an intrigue with someone else's husband. You should pretend to be sympathetic. You should trap her into a confession if possible. You should warn her husband. Above all else, you should tell me. And then he, the officer said, he went on this train for some time and ended up with, and when guilt is established, no mercy must be shown to the guilty members of society. They must be driven out. They must be hurled from the battlements into the great chasm from which there is no return. So now this is a type of, of, I'll put it in air quotes, religious person that turned many people off religion. And of course, anyone who has gone to some churches or whatever have seen people like this. They are all, uh, you know, they're all form and they're, they all think that they are better than anybody else. They're not loving and caring. And so by being that way, by being to say, you gotta go with these rules and I'm, of course, I am, I am pure and you are not, even though there's no real understanding of Christian love and fraternity and charity. And therefore, you know, therefore this is where they ended up. Now, most of them probably don't even understand they are there. So then he said, in conclusion, he announced that there would be a social entertainment next day in order to raise funds for church improvements. As I was going out, I heard one member of the Congress, congregation say another, both men. What I'd like to know is what happens to all the money which he's always raising for church improvements? The other replied, I'm sure he pockets it, or at any rate, most of it. And the first man said, yeah, I think so, but what does he spend it on? The second man, I suspect that he leads a double life. He has a second home, you know. I heard, and the author said, I heard no more, but I determined to go to the social entertainment. So in due course, I arrived there, and in a sort of church hall, found the vicar and his curate surrounded by a worshiping band of females. They hung on his every word, and when they got a chance, poured scandal into his ear. Between times, he told spiteful tales about the vicar and the various female members of his congregation. At length, I got a chance of a few words with the vicar alone. So here we are. We're seeing exactly the type of people they are. They are just all, they love gossip, right? And of course, you know, Jesus said, don't concentrate on, you know, on the splinter in someone else's eye when you have the plank in your eye. And spiritism says the same thing. And, it's, and I actually talk about it as one of the ways to spiritually ascend is to get out of the, ha the habit of gossip, of malicious gossip, right? Now, there's a great, uh, and I have a, actually a, a video on this, which Socrates called the, the, the law of three. And so what that means is, you know, when, I'll give you an example. Is, and Socrates did not like gossip either because Socrates was one of the, is one of the ministers of Jesus. And he came to earth about 400 years before Jesus to prepare. And he actually, a lot of what he says, we read the Socratic dialogues, a lot of what he said goes very closely to what Jesus also uh, preached. So he goes, well, the law of three. So someone came running up to him. He goes, Socrates, you know what happened to so-and-so? He goes, stop. Stop right there. Let's, let's go the rule of three. Now, is there something good about him? And the guy says, no, no, it's, it's not good. Well, okay. You can't, you know. Now, let's see the two more. Might be good. Is it something... Is it something that will help him? No, no, it's not something that will help him. And he goes, okay, is it something that will help me in my knowledge to know? 
And he said, no, it's, it's not that. He goes, well, then I don't want to hear it. So that is something I think that we should all try to hear and build into our personality and our character is, you know, and I know, especially at work, what's the most fun thing to do at work is to gossip about other people and, and to point out everything they did wrong and how good you and your friend gossiping. We know exactly what to do. And of course, there's other people, they don't know anything. But that's a habit you should try to withdraw from. Because that's a, that's you get you you'll go with that habit not just at work you'll go with that habit with your friends outside of work into your family, and I, it, I tell you I I it's taken years, but for the most part sometimes I backslide, absolutely, I'm out of that habit. I try if I say anything, um, I try to say something nice. If someone truly is incompetent, I'll try to put it as. Even like when I used to be a manager, I had to point out things that people were not really up to their job. And I tried to cross that as nicely as possible. But you have to be truthful in those type of circumstances because you can't let people fail at the job that they were not meant to fail at. But it's really something that is important to try and pat down as much as possible and get out of the habit of doing. So then... I'll carry on with the officer because I heard no more, but I determined to go to the social entertainment. In due course, I arrived there and in sort of church hall found the vicar and his great son by a band of Washington females. So, oh, at length, I got a chance a few words with the vicar alone and said, Vicar, I'm going to ask you a plain question between man and man, and you can rely on my discretion. Do you believe in the truths of the Christian religion which you have to teach, or are you, like so many learned divines personally convinced the whole thing is a myth and if so do you really think there is a god heaven and hell and so forth so now see the officer really wants to get to the bottom why why is this why is this vigor in hell and so the, the doctor said he presses two hands together and said unctuously a great deal turns on what you mean by believe a clergyman has a great responsibility he must not say anything which may cause a weaker brother to stumble the officer said, I pressed him closely on the point, and then at length he said, Personally, I have long thought that to tell of Christ is a myth, a beautiful myth, and I'm sure St. Paul thought so. I don't think the early Christians ever thought otherwise. They regarded it as a symbol which taught a great truth, just as the ancient Egyptians preached of the death and resurrections of Orisis. I don't imagine for a moment that an uneducated Egyptian believes that Orisis ever really lived. It was a parable. Unfortunately, the ignorant gradually grew to regard the parable as literally true, and during the Middle Ages, this belief became universal. Today, we are by degrees recovering the truth and clearing away the dross of superstition. But of course, we cannot proclaim these facts from the housetops. Indeed, if we did, we should probably be called agnostics and turn out of our livings. Still, quietly, we are doing a great work, a great work. So, very interesting. And and look, given our modern culture, when he says all of this is superstition, now here's a, a, a vicar, a priest, a reverend, who really doesn't believe in the Lord. Now, given our modern culture, now this is this was written a hundred years ago. And so now we're just surrounded by people saying, ah, it's all a myth. There's no such thing as God. There's when you die, you're just dead. And so it's really hard to talk about this. 
and it's hard to find the the facts and the things to hold on to to really make your belief be become foundational into your heart and your personality now for me it happened because my wife had a near-death experience years well i think 15 years before we married told her about the future and of course then she talked about that i didn't believe her but then finally she talked about something that's going to happen you know usually as most people with ndes they remember after the fact right this time she remembered a couple of times she remembered before the fact and of course i did not believe it at all it was just too strange and it happened that's when i said okay if Someone can know the future with such specificity, and I'm, I'm saying this was specific. Then there has to be something above us guiding what we're doing. And if there's a spirit world, there has to be processes, there has to be, there has to be management, people in charge, organization, everything. This is not just this is not like the heaven that is kind of kind of fuzzily believed in by most christians right is you kind of go there and it's the elysian fields so it has to have something more i mean look i've always been more of a concrete i've not been really that much of a spiritual person and it, you know i always thought it has to be something that i can get my hands onto and this is what spiritism does for you it really gives you actionable information and i talk about this in my book, Heaven and Below. And I have a series of free books based on a lot of what you've wrote, but I take information from spiritist mediums from all sorts of places and talk about what is heaven? How is heaven organized? Who is Jesus Christ? He's the governor of our planet. He is a fantastic, he's the CEO of the governor. He's not just this wonderful carpenter who came to earth for 32 years or so. No, he's much more. Heaven is, is real. And we are immortal souls. And, but these are the things that you have to like, you have to have some sort of sign or signal for you to latch onto to understand that yourself. Now, some people actually, I shouldn't say that you have to because some people are spiritual and they see things. They'll look at the sky. They'll look at the, the scenery. And they'll just know that God is in everything. I was never that type of person. I was always, oh, that's the scenery. In fact, when I was... My mother was embarrassed to take me to church when I was in like, um, you know, the little uh, Sundays, Sunday school and they had these books and they had, you know, and I was like, like four or five. I can't remember how old I was. And they had this book like, uh, here's a, a giraffe. And it had a picture of Jesus, you know, kind of impressing over the draft. And they go, and that's Jesus in the draft. And here's a hippopotamus or here's a dog. Here's a cat. And there's always a picture of, Jesus is in the cat. And in the last page, they had a mirror. Now we were sit, we were sitting in a semicircle with like about three mothers on top going us through this book. And my mother was one of them. And at, and I was at the end. And so the first person said, they said, okay, well tell us who's in that. And they looked at the little cheap mirror in the end of the book. And they go, oh, that's Jesus in me. The next person said, oh, that's Jesus in me. These were bright, you know, little kids got to me and I said, that's me, right? I, the lesson went right over my head, I, you know? And my mother goes, you know, and so, and basically she, she put up with this for years. 
And then finally people would say, and then of course when I was in uh, church, our reverend, the greatest guy ever, I, I mean the spirit world must put me in contact with him because he really is a saint. In fact, I think he was canonized. And we used to do go on vacations with him. He's the nicest person. So when he would come down the aisle, this is Episcopalian, and I turned around and said, Mom, God's coming down the aisle, because to me, he was God. And, and of course, then the ladies after the church, they go, oh, we're so sorry, Mrs. Mrs. Foster, your, your son is special. And, you know, amazingly, after a little bit of that, I never had to go to church again. I was able to play with my army men on Sundays all by myself, which was a great thing for me. So that's my spiritual history. And I had to have like a two by four hidden over the head for me to look up and get out of my, my uh, materialistic behavior. I was always trying to be honorable, although I've done things that are dishonorable, absolutely. And I've said things and I've done things that are not good at all, which I deeply regret. But I wasn't ever like an active thief or someone like that or tried to, you know, steal money from people. But, you know, it took that for me to get out of my, my little rut. But anyway, so this is where spiritism, and of course, let me uh, show that spiritism was first codified by Alan Kardec in the 1850s. And what he did, he was in, in, in these mediums meetings and he said, well, and of course he was kind of, he was not spiritual at all either. He didn't believe any of this stuff, but then things were happening that had him question it. So then he wrote a series of 1019 questions but what he did is he didn't just give them to one medium. He gave them to multiple mediums who didn't know about each other in different geographical areas. And he didn't put it in his book unless the, the answers were the same or very similar. And then he goes, okay, there's something happening here. How can this be? Because I know this one medium in Paris doesn't know what the medium in Frankfurt, what the questions I ask. They're not talking to each other. So how can this be? And that's why the Spirit's book can get it on PDF. Uh, it's, I would recommend it uh, completely. The other book that you can get on uh, on PDF is I have this on my site, nwspiritism.com. You can download this on PDF for free. It doesn't cost you anything. It gives you an introduction to Spiritism, and it tells you uh, many things about it. It tells you the basic tenets and principles. We are immortal souls. We live through many lives of reincarnation and our quest to become pure spirits. And, you know, karma is real. Every action has a reaction. That's kind of the basic, the basic tenets. And if the spiritual asks, if you could sum up very succinctly what spiritism, you know, what doctrine you should follow, and they say, always follow the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. So, again, download this book. It's free on PDF. Um, I, hopefully that yeah, it's just I think it's like 90 pages or something. It, it will give you a quick introduction. If it and if it if it piques your interest, then carry on. If not, no, you know, no harm, no foul. So let me continue on with the officer. So anyway, so the, the rubber is telling them, yeah, he he does, he just thinks it's superstition. So the officer said, if then the whole of Christianity is based on a parable, of what use is the church? And then he said, all of the very greatest, my friend, is a great moral force. That is what it was originally intended to be. And in that sphere, it can be of the greatest benefit. Oh, I foresee a long 
life of useful work for the church when freed from all the superstitious accretions which have attached themselves to its ancient form. Many men who at present are disgusted at what they regard as pure fables will rally to it as great social factor for the moral uplifting of the masses. I think some people are inclined to lay too much stress on a social value and overlook the importance of its moral influence, but they are materialists. Thank heavens, I am not one of them. <laughs> so of course he is a materialist, and, but he doesn't recognize himself as that. And this is, these are the type of people who are there. And one can, can hardly blame them because there are many otherworldly things to make that leap of knowing that Jesus was just this really powerful spirit, you know, the, the you know the the miracle of the fishes, the fish and bread feeding people, you know, all these all these things happen. Uh, the resurrection and what spiritism explains it all, and this is what is is really interesting is that you can understand like okay, now that I understand the workings of the spirit world, the fact that these things are possible makes perfect sense. Let me explain. Let me, let me explain when, when Jesus appeared after his, uh, after his death, right, into the room where all the apostles were. And it goes right where the powers of a spirit. And I talk about this in book two, Spirits in the Spirit Universe. Book three is how we're guided by spirits. So in the spirit world, you are a personality, they call it personality. And really what you are is a logical construct. Now you look like a normal person, like you look like an angel, someone below you and you, you see all this brightness because they're not used to that. But that's your, your paraspirit as I talked about earlier. But really what you are, you are this logical construct in this vast database which you roam. Now, as they, the spiritual chief Owen said, okay, let's take this example of of space and distance talk about distance in the spirit world there's no such thing as distance it's presence or absence he said now how did jesus get to the room where the apostles were and he showed himself to them what jesus did is this very high spirit he's a pure spirit through his force of his mind he changed the environment in which he was in he changed the state now think of a video game and think of your avatar in the video game and you go from, let's say, a castle to uh, another city. Now, that avatar walked out of the castle, maybe some roads, across uh, a river, and up to the city. The avatar really never went anywhere. All that was shown is that Avatar was changing the state of the scenery behind him. It's all logical. Same thing in the spirit world. This is what's so fantastic to believe. And that's why I talk about the logical and data and data points, but yet I also try to use geometrical shapes and forms because it's it can do both. And in fact, in this logical personality and spirit, you are given the ability to interpret this data as forms, and what you see is forms, unless you're very high spirit, probably like Jesus. So, Jesus did is he changed the state to be in that room at that time with the apostles. And then when he was done, he changed the state back again. He didn't 
travel billions of miles away from some high level in heaven. He changed his state. So these are the things. This, this is what spiritism starts explaining to you. That when you are a spirit, and as you go higher and higher in spirit hierarchy, you become more energy and less matter. So the people in the lower zone, where the officer is now in this vision of hell, they're pretty dense compared to the officer's guardian angel. Now, the officer's guardian angel, what he did to make him appear like other people, he willed himself to be more dense so he can show himself. Now, if the guardian angel didn't want to, he could get back to his normal form and he'd be invisible. Now, we on Earth, we don't see any of this. And the spirit system tells us we don't see about one-eighth of the world around us. We don't see any of that. We, we're just, our, our eyesight, our hearing, we can't see it, unless for some people very talented who are mediums. And so we are in this, this simulation of, in this physicality. And why are we here? Is we're here to change our character and our personality to become better spirits. Why do we need to become better spirits? Why do we need to have, when I've said, you know, stop gossiping, right? Don't lose your temper, be nice. Because as you go higher in the spirit hierarchy, guess what? You become more and more powerful. You use your mind to create things. You use your mind to create temples, houses, buildings, oceans, mountains. Jesus Christ was a member of the, uh, the community of pure spirits. They created the solar system, the earth, the moon. So that is why this absolute, you know, to us, omnipotent power some high spirit like Jesus, we too shall have that power someday as long as we keep learning and striving. So that is the great mundane secret of why we're here, why there's chaos on earth, everything. And that's why it's hurt for this hard for this, this pastor on this church to believe these fables because you know you hear about Jesus walking on water and these type of things. Well, a very high spirit can manipulate can manipulate the environment around him or her. Amazing. And once you understand what this physical world is, the physical world is a subset of the spirit world, then it's like, ah, I understand. It's, 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 you, it's programmable. And if you're like this, it's like you're a coder inside the computer and you can change the code as you're walking through the database, as you're walking through, you know, within the operating system. Then it begins to explain everything. And thank heavens that inside this sphere, it's full of love. That, that it's that our, our wonderful God has given us an atmosphere of love and free will. And if you want to know why there's chaos on earth and there's bad things happen, because we have free will to do stupid and dumb things and bad things so we can learn from that. Because God doesn't want a bunch of spirits who are cookie cutter. They're all the same. He wants very unique personalities that are wonderfully intelligent and creative and yet also honorable, fraternal, fraternal and charitable people. That is what we're at. That is the great truth of where we live. We're in this world called Earth temporarily so we can modify our character and our personality. So let me, um, let me carry on.
So then the officer said, but don't you think there are such places as heaven and hell? And is there, after all, such a being as God? And then he said, well, with regard to the last point, I, I think we are not as yet in a position to give a definite answer. We are at liberty to hold our own views. To some people, the conception of a God of some sort is necessary, like the parables of Christ, or they would cease to obey the moral law. But personally, while I would not be so presumptuous as to say there is no God, I do not consider one as essential. I consider that this world is governed by laws and that moral law is the highest. Those who break the moral law sooner or later are punished by that law. So that I do not see that an arbitrary creator is necessary, is necessary, but of course, I should not say that to my flock as a whole. So now he says like the parables of Christ. And of course, we have to understand the parables of Christ were not distinct. But then as you understand Spiritism, a lot of things that Christ said is like, they were like statements of facts, but people don't understand what he was talking about. Is when Christ said, let the dead bury the dead. Well, now I understand Spiritism is spirits, for someone who deserves this service, will help a person dying, help them out of their body to be detached from their parispirit to their physical body and help them into like a, a resting place in heaven. And there's all sorts of these things that, you know, my, my mansion has many rooms. Well, there's many levels of heaven. There's, the universe is full of different places. Of course, you have to be reborn again. Well, he didn't mean reborn as in baptism. Christ meant you have to go through life after life. You have to re, be reincarnated over and over again to really ascend into heaven. It's all of these things. And then it all begins to make sense. Now, you can also tell me, yeah, but you know, you read the Old Testament, New Testament, there's many bad things in there. Yes. And Spiritism tells us also is what they say is the spirits communicate to the people at the time according to their technology and their culture. So whereas Moses was directed, do this, right? And then and then the 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 prophets of Israel would be talking to the different spirits. And they say, okay, go take that town and kill everybody in it. Now, that wasn't a nice thing to do. But yet, that's kind of how they had to speak to that tribe at that time. That's all they would understand. If they said, go to that town and take each person by the hand and give them a hug, they go, oh, we'd be killed. It wouldn't work. That tribe wouldn't survive. So, you know, those are. that's why... Uh, there are really kind of negative things in the Old and New Testament. But the spirits do say is the messages of love and charity and fraternity are eternal. So, so then the officer said to the reverend, I interrupted the flow of eloquence with, still, it is not necessary to conceive of God as arbitrary autocrat. He may be a wise, all-seeing judge who coordinates his various laws. And then the reverend said, he may be, but to turn the question of heaven and hell, I think I may say, frankly, I don't believe in either. I consider that each man, roughly speaking, gets his rewards and punishment on this earth, either by disease or from his fellow men. Hell, I consider a monstrous idea. For my part, I should hesitate, of course, to say there is no life after death, but I doubt it. Of course, here he is, immortal. Does he not know that he's never aged? So the officer said, I stared at him for a minute and then said, but how did you get here? He says, well, in a rather curious way, I was very ill and at length became unconscious. When I was in this state, I had the most curious and horrible dreams. I won't trouble to describe them, 
but then I was evidently delirious, and when I recovered, I found myself here without my wife. No one could tell me exactly how I came here, but being here and finding that the vicar of this church had just disappeared in a most mysterious way, I took up his, his flock and have done his work ever since. Everyone has agreed that he must be dead. That's the curious thing about life here. People don't die. I never have had a funeral service. They just vanish. I can't help thinking that the sanitary authorities dispose of the body silently, but after all, I have other things to bother about. My parish is a fashionable one in the best part of the city, and I have to devote my whole time to it. Then so here he is. And of course, this is how we go through life, right? There, especially me, when I was younger and, and stupid, there's facts all around this guy. People don't die. He's never had a funeral service. Has he noticed people never grow old? You know, this is, there's all these things that, you know, where is everyone? So then, he, then the officer said, but you've married again. He goes, oh, yes, I came to the conclusion that while I was ill, my wife must have died. So I had no hesitation to marry again. Of course, I'm too old to need that sort of thing. But my wife is a great help in the parish, a great help. I'm afraid she's not always tactful, but one can't have everything. I said, then the officer said, then you do not realize that you are in hell. He said, oh, what a preposterous question. The officer said, I then proceeded to give my reasons for knowing we were in hell and narrated my adventure since I died. He listened very coldly and at last broke in. Thank you. I've heard enough. I'm, if I were a swearing, swearing man, I should use strong language. But as it is, I will content myself with saying I don't believe a word you've told me. I'm sorry I've wasted my time talking to such a man. If you're not a liar, then by your own showing, you're an unmitigated scoundrel. Good day. And I should advise you to leave the city as soon as possible. For although I should myself not denounce you, being a humane man, others will certainly discover your true character, and then you can expect little mercy. He left me, and a moment later, began to tell the two women who hurried up to him all about me. So I thought it best to depart without undue delay. So that's the end of today. So here he was in this very, you know, interesting. The officers is all finding these things that people will have the, um, you know, they'll they'll create they'll create the environment that they want to create out of their own minds and they'll deny facts and figures that they'll want to deny and they'll they'll create this this mirage and we all do that we we all this is one thing that i think people should do all the time is that you know once every night or or, or like benjamin franklin should say you know every night I do that. I'm not that disciplined. I do it every, try as often I can. But analyze what you've done. Analyze, am I fooling myself? What am I doing, good or bad? What do I have to improve on? And try to step out of yourself and try to look at yourself truly. And it gets easier as you try. Because we all love ourselves and, you know, and we all, like, for instance, as I'm writing a book, I look at that, oh my God, that's a brilliant paragraph, of course. Then I'll read something else, I go, oh, I'm not that good, right? I, you know, I need to improve. And we all need to, we all need to analyze ourselves truthfully. Now, we shouldn't go there and we shouldn't obsess over our mistakes. The the spirit Joanna Danzos, and it was in the books um, psychographed by Devolta Franco has a lot of good advice. 
And actually, I talk about a lot of her good advice in my book, How to Live Inner Peace Through Spiritism, which is the steps of how we should improve our character and personality so we can ascend into heaven. And this is based upon a 24-step uh, writing by Andre Luis. And I went through each short sentence, stanza, and I said, what did Andre Luis mean? What does the spirit world mean by that? And how do you achieve that? It's really about improving ourselves. So, but, but to get back to my point is we shouldn't sit there and go, oh, I'm so stupid. And I, I'm guilty of this too. And just over and over obsessed about what you've done something wrong in the past is no. The spirit John D'Angelo says, look, when you have things like that, analyze and say, I'm not going to do it again. And if you do it again, say, I'm not going to do it again. Just keep trying and improving. But put that problem, you know, take that arrow out of your quiver, shoot it out into the forest and never think about it again. But just analyze yourself and try to improve. That is what we need to do. The more we try to castigate ourselves and punish ourselves for doing something stupid, she goes, in reality, that reinforces that bad behavior because you think by punishing yourself that you are excusing that behavior and therefore you're not really trying to root it out of your inner personality. You're actually saying, okay, I paid for that behavior. Uh, I can go on and then it's like, oh, I can do that again because I know how to pay for that behavior. No, it doesn't work. Don't whip yourself or, or knock your head against the wall, anything like that. It's actually counterproductive because the whole thing why we're on earth is to really is to really is to take out our primitive emotions, hate, jealousy, right? Gossip, sarcasm, right? I was like the biggest sarcastic guy in the world. Take that out, replace that with love and charity and fraternity. Now, what I'm saying is, you know, when I say love, fraternity, and charity, I don't mean, you know, you have to be this meek person that takes all anything from anybody. No, you have the right to be focused. You, know, you should not be angry but you can be indignant and use your force of your will to be indignant and say, no, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen that way. That's not allowed. I'm not going to put up with that, right? But you don't have to yell or scream. You say, no, that's not going to happen. Because you have to be indignant to get things done to a certain extent in this earth because people will just walk all over you. So that doesn't mean you have to be a milk toast at all. But, and of course, that's what Jesus meant when he means the meek will inherit the earth. He didn't say the meek of how we interpret me. He really meant the culturally civilized person who knows how to get things done, how to motivate people, how to organize, how to treat others with dignity and respect, and yet still insist on certain things being accomplished. That is what Jesus meant, and that's how they interpret it in the Gospel According to Spiritism. It's a great book, by the way. So anyway, I want to say to everyone, thanks for being here tonight. If uh, if anyone has any other uh, comments, or whatever, give me a comment. I'll be happy to answer. I'm here every Sunday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern United States time. Because I have people all around the world listening to me. Uh, leave a comment on 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 the uh, YouTube video. I will post this also on BitChute. And of course, again, please subscribe and hit the like button and the bell. Anyway. I want to say God bless to everyone. Good night.